following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Today's reading is from Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 53 from the English Standard Version of the Bible. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. That is I myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And he said to them, these are my words that I have, that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending you the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. So, uh, in some of these final words of Jesus before he before he ascended to heaven, uh, besides revealing himself to his his followers, and I, I love the the um, the reference to um, flesh and bone, and and him eating in that passage that the resurrection is his real physical thing, and that when we talk about in our in the uh, Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's the resurrection that we believe in. That is what we're anticipating, that we're going to be given new physical bodies that are going to be spiritually charged, so to speak. Um, it, And that's what we're looking forward to in what the Bible calls the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but in, in the passage, he makes this reference... Just, uh, where is it again? <clears throat> where is it here? I'm sorry, I'm a little lost. Oh, okay, sorry. It's verse 49. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so, Jesus is referring to the the coming of the Holy Spirit, which uh, we celebrate uh, 
the, what's called the Western Church as opposed to the Eastern Church, the Eastern Orthodox. In the Western Church, uh, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that's commemorated next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, uh, when the Holy Spirit came on that uh, Jewish festival. And in the Jewish calendar, it actually begins this evening. Hebrew name for that is Shavuot. I taught about, about that last year. And that video is still there if, if you if you want to see it. Um, talked about some of the background to the festival in which the Holy Spirit came. And so uh, what I thought I would do is talk about this promise by looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then next week, God willing, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It's, it's really important for us to look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament to see what um, God taught um, about himself, about his spirit, and, and what was to be anticipated in terms of what it meant for believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So there was this anticipation, and then there was its fulfillment. And you may have heard me say that there's actually a wrong notion about what the term fulfillment is among many Christians. That when we talk about something being fulfilled, it 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 sounds as if it's terminated. But actually, the, when Jesus fulfills things, he brings it to the full. He brings its full meaning, its 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 full accessibility, its full reality. Um, I often think of it as um, as the anticipation is like a a page in a coloring book where you have the outlines provided. And then what Jesus does is he fills in the color, the contour, the texture. I guess he does a lot more than what we could do when we color it in because then it becomes fully three-dimensional. He brings it to its full. But that original outline is necessary to understand what the colors and the contours and the textures of of what it means that it's fulfilled. So uh, who is this Holy Spirit and what does he do? Uh, I get the impression too, when people begin to discuss the Holy Spirit, most of the time it's, you know, what's he really like? Um, which, what's his makeup and, th- and this sort of thing? And, and I, I, found, I find that something that's very difficult. I, it's not that the Bible doesn't explain some of his makeup and uh, commonly we're told about he's the third person of the Trinity and some of this kind of technical language. But the Bible emphasizes more about what he does and then what that is supposed to mean to us and what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And so that's what I'm going to be emphasizing. And what I'll be sharing both this week and next is certainly not exhaustive. There's so much more that could be said about the Holy Spirit in every way than what I can handle in these two messages. So we're going to look at at some of the references to the Spirit and, and, and see um, what he's all about in terms of what he does and what that should mean to us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've not left us in the dark, but that you revealed yourself to us. And we thank you that as it says in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, that 
the secret things belong to you, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children that we might do them. And you've not revealed everything there is to know about everything, but you revealed what is sufficient for us to know so that we could live the lives that you have called us to live. And may you help us in that a little more this morning as we look at the uh, who your spirit is and what he does and wants to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, we see the spirit involved in creation. Where would we be without creation? Genesis 1 verses 1 to 3, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so we see that the Spirit is, is, is revealed to us as somewhat of the, the force behind creation. And it, it was interesting, uh, yesterday... Uh, there was this, I believe it was the final talk we were given, and the speaker said, the Holy Spirit is not a force. And really what he should have said, oh, my dear brother, I don't think you're you're watching this this morning, but if you are, the way that should be said is he's not an impersonal force. He's not impersonal energy. He's, he's, he's a person. He has, and it was well explained in that session about how he has thoughts, he has desires, he could be grieved, and so on. Um, and so he's not impersonal, but is he ever a force? And we can talk about God in this in a general way. God is the greatest force, not, not like the Star Wars, not Star Wars, the force which is an impersonal force that can be manipulated. That is not how God is a, is, is a force. He's a personal force. The Holy Spirit is a personal force. The greatest force there is to the, to the point that he can make the universe from nothing. So when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, we talk about receiving him who made everything from nothing. That's a pretty big deal. Interestingly, um, the word uh, for for spirit in both Hebrew and Greek, in Hebrew it's ruach, ruach. In Greek it's pneuma with a P. That's where we get pneumatic from because it has to do with air. And it's not that the spirit is the air, but the word both in Hebrew and Greek for spirit could be spirit, you know, a personal invisible force, um, whether good or bad, it could be spirit, it could be breath, and it could be wind. And it's by the context we know what the Bible is talking about. And so what, what was hovering over the earth? Was it the wind of God, the spirit of God, the breath of God? The answer might be yes. And to continue that, especially with this idea of the breath of God, he's um, not only is he part of creation, he's the, also the breath of life. 
Genesis 2, verses 5 through 7. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so this idea of the breath of God, the Spirit of God, so the Spirit of God was drawn into the, into the human being, and that's what gave life to humans. This is uh, reflected in Job 33, verse 4. This is Elihu. Elihu is the fourth person that, uh, there was Job's not-so-helpful counselors, and then later on, there's this Elihu, who is a little, much more actually, connected with the truth and how he was speaking to Job. And he says, The Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. This is a poetical way, it's a parallel here, speaking about the breath of God and the Spirit of God as basically the same thing. And so that, that, uh, life dynamic of God coming into the human being to make us living creatures. And so our very life is derived from the Spirit of God. And there's a sense in which that is given to all people, but there's a sense in which God's presence of His Spirit um, did not remain with human beings due to our first parents' rebellion. And we're going to come back to that in, in a moment. In a, in a quick moment, actually. So we see the creative nature of the Holy Spirit. We see his life-giving power. And he also equips God's people, which is giving divine ability to people. And there's this phrase, um, it's in Judges, and it's in uh, First, uh, First Samuel, where it just says the Spirit rushed upon the particular person. The first time we see that, the Spirit rushing upon someone, is somebody that we might feel a little uncomfortable with. It's Samson. And more than once, we read about how the Spirit of God rushed upon him and gave him supernatural strength to do whatever it was that he needed to do. And while we not may not be endowed with supernatural strength, though he might give us that from time to time as needed, uh, the Holy Spirit provides for God's people the ability to do that which we cannot do on our own. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Saul to enable him to lead Israel, and he started off really, really well, and then he, he turned away from God, and the Spirit of God left him. And then David, we see 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, when, when he was anointed king by the prophet Samuel, we read that then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. David was equipped to lead Israel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Another way that God equips his people is through prophecy. Even David says this uh, at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. He said, The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. And this was the same experience the prophets had. Ezekiel says this in chapter 2, verse 2. 
And he, God, spoke to me, Ezekiel, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And that connection between the Spirit of God and being given the words of God to speak to other people. And then we see he equips the Messiah. And this is part of the promise. It's the anticipation of what God was uh, going to do through uh, who we now know was Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth. We read in Isaiah chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. There shall come forth a a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And this is not the only passage uh, that talks about this sort of thing. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is talking about all the various things that are imparted by the Holy Spirit. And his delight, that's this this the one God who will raise up from the genealogy of Jesse, who is the father of King David, who's the predecessor to the Lord Jesus. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This all comes because of the impartation of the Holy Spirit upon him. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. These are the effects of his of his ministry. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea in that day the root of jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious most of the promises of restoration of people in the old testament Um, are focused solely on the people of Israel. But every now and then, there's a passage like this that is speaking about what um, God will do, and then particularly through this person called the Messiah, what he will do and the grand effects of it. So every now and then, there's a passage like this that references that the effects of the Messiah's coming will come upon the whole earth, and blessing will come to all the nations of the world. This goes back to God's promise in, Ge- in Genesis chapter 12, verse, verse 3, that through Abraham's descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, that is eventually learned to be, it's going to happen through the Messiah. And how does the Messiah do it? He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see, as we read this, and, and if we had more time, we would we would go more slowly over it. But we see some of these 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 blessings, these effects of what the Holy Spirit does through the Messiah. First, there's recreation. He's going to he's going to turn back the curse, and make the world the way it should be, and even better than it ever was. And we see the animosity between wild animals no more, and then and that the, a child uh, and and relationship to wild a- animals and so on, and that there will be no more pain or hurt and, and all this sort of thing, and that the whole world will be set to right because of the working of the Messiah, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit and how he's going to bring restoration um, to people. And that includes the nations. So it's all of us, all of us, whoever you are watching this right now, this was a promise that was anticipating what God was going to do all over the world that we now know that has to do with the gospel. Um, and the gospel went out into the whole world once the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Uh, we will look at that more, but I do want to read um, more of this promise from Joel chapter 2. This is in the Old Testament. And this is what Peter refers to when he preaches his first sermon on that day of Pentecost. God says through Joel, and it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I'll pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this promise in Joel that Peter refers to um, on the day of Pentecost, it's a passage about how God is going to come and pour out his spirit upon all and do these, have dramatic effects all over the world. And I know we kind of jump ahead. Well, isn't he talking about the end of all things? I don't have time to get into this right now, but, but Joel is speaking about an earth-shaking event. And that earth-shaking event is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon God's people to do God's work in God's power all over the earth. And my brothers and sisters, we have settled for too little. We have settled for words and not action. We've settled for for thoughts and not God's power. You know, our, our sister Krista shared, and in one sense, such a small thing, and yet a big thing to her, how she had been affected by something in her life from a long time ago. And all she did was ask the Lord Jesus to come in to that thing that was still troubling her. And he spoke to her. And this is some of the manifestation of the new life that we can have in Jesus if we would access it. And not just sing about it, not just think about it. And even not just, in a sense, just pray about it, because some of our prayers are just mouthing words. But if we would take the time to allow the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to do the work in our lives that he wants to do, COVID or no COVID, we would see the power of God working in and through us. I think that's a good place to stop. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that this is not just a story to tell. It's a marvelous story. And your word is so full of marvelous stories, but they're not there just to be stories. And they're not there just to, you know, put a little smile on our face or, or, or just gloss over it. But your word has been given to us to work its way into our lives that it might be expressed through our lives. Thank you, Lord that we live in these days. We live in the days 
of the coming of the Messiah and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We live in the days that are not the days of anticipation. We still anticipate the fullness of what you're going to do in the coming of your Son. But we don't live in the anticipation of of your Son's coming to die for our sins. We're living in the aftermath of that. Where we, people of all nations in the world, can experience your forgiveness and have a relationship with you. And not only that, but to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we would actually hear you speak to us and that you would equip us to speak your word to others and to bring your healing and your deliverance to others. Lord, show us how you want to work in our lives in in powerful ways. And would you show us how we are not... um, accessing your power in the way that we should, in the ways that we are actually turning our backs on you when you're calling us to turn to you. In the time that I've, I've been with, with all saints, we've looked more than once at how you have given us access to every spiritual blessing in heaven. And I know, Lord, that I have not accessed these resources as I should have. We have not accessed these resources. Show us, Lord, how to, in this time and in your way, lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.